0: Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has. It also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where Onto Air comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that Onto Air enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software, and that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing, and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OnToAir. Air. Sign up today with promo code BUILTON AIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at ontoair.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast. We are now in episode two of season 14. Good to be with you. Myself, Dan Fellers, and we have Camille with us after a week off. Welcome back, Camille. Hello. Good to have you as always. Uh, Ali is off this week, and we should be joined shortly by our special guest, Jason. Hoping that uh, he comes on to join us. But we're going to get started, and uh, if he doesn't join us, we'll we'll call in Audible. So welcome to the Built on Air podcast. Every week we go through four different segments, talk about what's going on. I'll walk you through what we're going to be doing today. Uh, We always start with our round the Bases to get you caught up on what's going on in the Airtable world and all the different communities and make sure that you know the latest and greatest and all the news. Um, then we'll do a spotlight on Onto Air, our primary sponsor. Get you up to date on that product. And then, assuming Jason joins us, um, we'll learn about him and his story and how he found Airtable. Then he will hopefully be walking through some bases that he uses in his in his daily business. And then we'll do a quick shout out to our community, how you can join and participate. And then. Camille will walk us through some scripting, how to do date-based change logs. So, we'll assume that's the show after we get through our our uh, roundup. If Jason still hasn't showed us, we'll get him on in a future episode and we'll do we'll go to Camille and then we'll we'll do a couple other fun activities to make sure that you are learning this hour. So, round the bases. <clears throat> Uh, it was a relatively quiet week this week, um, not a whole lot going on, couple PSA announcements. Um, Airtable is going to have some outages with the database. Um, let's see, April 28th, so that's still next week, so that's coming up. They, they've actually had a couple outages, they, they've been doing this. And I haven't noticed it. I, last time I was on and I didn't, I didn't get any errors or anything. And so it was a very minor downtime. So they're getting better at their, uh, at their outages. Hopefully. Uh, when's the, yeah, we'll when was the unannounced, the unannounced outage?
1: Unannounced um, outage. I think about two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago or, or something, something like that.
0: Yeah, so here's an announced outage. So they're getting better at least at at announcing there when they know it will be down. Um, So keep that on your radar. They do it Friday evenings at night. So shouldn't impact too many people. Um, The other uh, PSA coming from Chris Dancy and um, Ben Green who run the uh, Airtable community in Facebook. Are announcing a uh, Dare Table. Um, so 30-ish days left. Actually, less than yeah, less than 30. A month from today is actually when it is, May 18th. So um, it's in San Francisco. It'll be at the headquarters of Airtable. So uh, we'll see what life is like at Airtable. Myself, Camille will be there, Ali will be there, Kavon, friend of the show, will be there. She got the spotlight in this one on formulas you didn't know you need. So she'll be doing a show. Camille, you'll be doing a segment. What What's sure your will. topic? Uh,
1: the title is called your wish is my command line. And the what I'm hoping to get out of that session is to sort of explain that a lot of what you can do in your table, there's different tiers, there's stuff that's, you know, baked right in, it's a feature of Airtable. There's stuff that you got to do, maybe a formula, maybe an automation to do. And there's some things that you need to go outside of Airtable to fully accomplish what it is you're, you're looking for. And the purpose of that session is more hoping to be a little bit interactive where people can say, I have this problem, how might I solve it? And then if I can do it on stage, I will. And if I can't, then just you know, just good advice of what I've seen and what I think might work for um, the just the problem as described to me. So obviously, yeah. I'm not going to be able to go deep into everybody's uh, use cases, but some quick advice for how might you do a couple of different things in
0: your table because you can do a lot. Nice, nice, and we have Jason with us. Welcome, Jason. <laughs>
2: hello hello thank you for having me sorry i'm a few minutes behind no worries we're well, no worries we're glad to have you we're going
0: through our uh, roundup and keeping people up to date with what's going on in the community and um, we'll get to hear jason's story in a bit so glad to have you feel free to to chime in are you planning to go to dare table conference that's what we're talking about
2: um i didn't even know it was happening so uh that's news to me where's is it a virtual or in person
0: so this is in person in san francisco at Airtable's headquarters a month from today and okay not sure how many tickets are left but uh yeah daretable.com
2: okay yeah i'll so, check it out i i guess i missed i missed the announcement <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so we're getting the word out and uh some friends of the show uh helped run it chris and chris and ben have both been on the show in the past and okay, um cool and they put on a great show they did this is their second Second year doing this, so last year was in Austin, and um this year it's it's actually at Airtable's headquarters, so we'll have good participation from airtable and so yeah, we'll be there and uh so yeah, get the word out. I think it was a pretty tight i think only like seventy five um spots just because of the the location couldn't handle a lot, so it's gonna be a pretty small small group um yeah should be okay. fun. cool. Awesome. All right. Uh, that's, that's the PSA announcements. Um, then one other, a couple other things, um, this came from the built on air community, uh, okay. Hannah, who, uh, is, is involved with built on air, uh, noticed this link to a support. So we've talked about, so this is a two way sync overview. Um, so we've talked about this in the past. It's been in beta, um at the enterprise level i believe you have to be an enterprise account to to get access to this beta um but i know i've i've seen it i've i've played with it and um it's out there so but i don't know so this um this update or or i guess this article is relatively new maybe maybe this has been around i don't think they've publicly shared information about um this beta but now there's more information about it so worth pointing out. Um, the thing that jumped out to me is I knew about this, but I didn't know about all the limitations. Um, click down here on this limitations. There's actually quite a few limitations that <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize. Um, I don't know. Camille, are you using this at all? Um. This is the
1: first true test of,
0: <laughs> of me being
1: on a podcast and also being uh, a member of an enterprise. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say or... <laughs>
0: in, what, in what company or.
1: Um, well, I could say I, I work at Apple now. It's an interesting series of events have led me here. Um, we are an enterprise client of Airtable and uh, we've interacted with the two-way thinking um, uh, beta and yeah, there's. None of my projects use the um, two-way sync. I could see it being extraordinarily useful in a lot of different use cases, but there are, you know, as this page points out, a lot of different ways and that it there's some things that you might expect to be there and they're, they're not. One of them that makes sense to me is um, formulas quite work because they're, you know, if you're not syncing in all of the data that the formula relies on, then it, it The logic of it would break that kind of makes sense but also like can you just import the value as a text field like you know maybe there's a warning symbol that says it's not always up to date or there's a couple of different things that um you know are i understand why but also isn't there another way that's kind of how i feel for a lot of the things that we see on this bulleted list
0: yeah and it could be just in phases you know for this phase yeah. they don't want to deal with that because of the complexity that it introduces and sure it may come down the road but yeah um
1: it's just there's things like the first one i don't know why it's listed in this order but the first one is two-way sinks aren't available in gantt views <laughs> and <laughs> like I get it because Gantt views are the ones that have very specific linking relationships with the records that are being shown. I get it; that's somewhat complex to do for you know a two-way synced um, item, but it is like it works in all views except for Gantt. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, just, it feels a little odd.
0: Yeah, yeah, there must be something under the hood in the code of the Gantt view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the one I thought was interesting is that you can't use automations to to update the destination that one is confusing to me or api calls so you basically yeah you can't you can't modify it so that that's a big limitation that is really going to hamper what you can do with the two way sync and using the destination table
1: or the mobile app why the mobile app yeah what what, if, what there I can like again. I can think of like oh maybe they're trying to get around um, people circumventing certain ear table limitations by having two way syncs into various different bases. You're splitting apart the total, you know, number of records that you could fit in one base, technically speaking. Blah 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 blah. Uh, that I can kind of understand, but like the mobile app is like that's your product. You, yeah. You know. Oh,
0: yeah. Odd. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully that's a future addition, yeah. Um, what else in here? Um, so basically the general concept, if you're not familiar with it, you know, right now in production, you can do a one-way sync from a source to a destination, but in the destination, all those fields can't be modified. They're read only. And so if you needed to change that, you'd have to go back to the source. Now you can, to a limited extent, modify changes in the destination and um and uh and do that so but there are these limitations yeah automation so that means there's going to be you know i'm just thinking about implementing this you're going to be talking back to the source base through an api call or or a webhook or something to update the source from the destination some some hack like that to get that to work which will be frustrating but, um, but yeah, this, and then, you know, hopefully at some point they said when they announced, I'm thinking of the, the new feature, the, um, uh, the data source, the one, what, what are those called? The, um, you know, like the, the universal tables, um, that they announced. Oh, the so you, uh,
1: verified data source. That something.
0: Verified data source. Yeah. Yeah, so when that comes out, that, that will probably reduce the need for two way syncing because um, a lot of things might make better sense to put into one of those verified data sources um, and not sync them between tables. So we'll see. We'll see. <clears throat> All right, good stuff there. Next one. Um, this is coming from the new table forums, check out, join table forums. If you haven't already great, um, great interactions going on there. Uh, lots of, lots of experts that are answering questions. Uh, this one I answered, so I thought it would be worth, um, worth uh, showing on here since I'm a little familiar with it. Um, this comes from Brandon, who's uh, actually a friend of mine, um, and doing some air table stuff. So, so talking about, so this is dealing with webhooks, which is fairly common. If you want to send uh, data from one system to another, webhooks is a very generic way universally supported across lots of different platforms and, and uh, systems. So it's essentially you, you define a URL and then you send data to that URL. And then on on the other end, it will receive that data. So it's a way to message between systems. Um, And so Scott had a a post here that he linked to um, with an example of how to, um, this is a pretty good detail of how to send to a webhook such as Make, it could be Zapier, it could be any other system. Um, This one is again, a little bit technical, but in the internet world, the the defined protocol that that you send data between basically when a browser hits a a website it's doing what's called a get request and the the server is responding in that there's different types of requests um so this one is the standard get request that that is kind of how browsers work by default um what brandon is asking for is is a post request so there's a get and a post the main difference is in a post you can actually send um like a body of data with the message into the server so most apis you're sending um a get usually if you're querying for data that's a get request if you're sending data that's a post or or a put Um, those are the two different types so that's kind of um, you know high level of, of how APIs work, and so that example didn't quite work for Brandon's scenario. Um, so I just replied with a small snippet of code, and this is how you would send a, a post request. So that right there is the method of the the fetch. So you're 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 fetching data, but you're sending it as a post, and you're you're wrapping it in this body. And you also have to have this header in here to tell it that that it's JSON, which is which is what this body gets converted. Yeah, they in. always want to
2: use my name. <laughs> that's
0: right. That's right. You're famous.
2: <laughs>
0: yep, JSON.
1: I'm just now realizing why I never liked the function name fetch. It's because you can post with it as well, and
0: that's just because <laughs> yeah. you you still are fetching data. You're you're fetching a response. So you still get a response. back.
1: Yeah, but like, am I? I don't want a response. <laughs> just take the data.
0: Yeah, this one I actually didn't even do anything with the response. You could store the response in a that's variable the, and, that's the
1: and thing. a lot of times and it's poor uh, coding structure because you you want to catch a response in case there's an error and you want to know. But sometimes I'm just I'm just sending stuff away and I, I don't want anything to do with.
0: Uh, what gets returned to me? Yeah. So this is the code. If you're in an automation and you need to send a message to a webhook somewhere, it does require a little bit of code. They don't have a built-in, you know, automation task um, like Zapier and Make have. You know, a task that's like an HTTP request is probably something. What it's called? Um, uh, uh, I Air will Jiggle throw out.
2: Throw out there. Um, I need someone needed a JavaScript written the other day and I didn't know how to do it. So I just used Chat GPT and said, Hey, could you write me this script? And then it gave me what I needed. So <laughs> if there's Hopefully. air tables, air, air terriblers out there that don't know how to script, um, you can use a tool like that. So
0: yeah. 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 That would be a good test to see if, if Chat GPT could answer, answer this one. Uh, probably could. There would be some like nuances. So like mm-hmm. we've talked in the past about. So this would likely work inside of an automation script because those run server side, if you were to put this inside of a scripting extension, it may not work. It depends on the webhook that you're sending to. You might have to, they implemented a fetch remote. What's the name? Fetch remote.
1: Async, I think.
0: Fetch remote async, okay. which is Airtable specific. That's not, fetch is a, a JavaScript specific uh, function that that fetch remote async is is Airtable specific. Mm. And so there's nuances like that, that I doubt ChatGPT would be smart enough to know. Maybe it does Unless, know that, You could
2: feed it if you knew if you knew that the nuances yeah,
0: ahead
2: of time. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just update so, it, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's common. We're talking. Yeah, we we'll talk quite a bit. We actually have, I think, two shows coming up this season on on Chat GPT okay. using it with with Airtable. So cool. we might showcase some of that.
2: Yeah, that definitely a lot of opportunities there. Yeah, yep. and and the flexibility of Airtable and all the integrations just makes the sky sky the limit for what you yep. want to do. Yep, very true. So yeah,
0: that's kind of um that's kind
2: of the the world of Airtable
0: this week. Relatively quiet. Um, I don't think there's any product releases, any feature updates that that I'm aware of. Um, so that means maybe today, maybe this afternoon. So usually it's like during the show they'll they'll put out <laughs> some stuff. So we might I, get some. I, new stuff.
1: I believe I've made suggestions before that they just make feature release or announcements on like the Thursday of the week because it's it's our show it used to be aaron cornfield show and then it was um uh christianity and ben green right, show on that facebook yeah it, it and each was on a different day tuesday wednesday thursday and i was like just do it on thursday when we're yeah. all done <laughs> so we're not you know i don't, who knows what they actually listened
0: yep yep So we'll see. Maybe next week we've got some good stuff to talk about. So with that, we'll move on to OntoAir, our primary sponsor. It's an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. If you if your business relies on Airtable, you definitely need to check out Onto Air. Um, I was hoping to make one announcement today, but I think I'll save it for next week. So today I'm just going to sh- give a shout out to our backups product. This is um, you know, really important. If you've got your important data in Airtable, best practice is to make sure you've got a copy of that somewhere outside of Airtable. That's where On2air Backups comes in. It helps you to back up your data um, and store it in your own repository, either in Google Drive, Box or Dropbox, um, are the ones we support. Uh, somebody asked me this week about, about backups. If we're storing the data, we do not store your data. We act as a proxy to move it from Airtable to, um, to your destination. So we do have, you know, obviously access to read from your Airtable and push to your destination. But we don't store other than meta information. We do store some meta information and it does pass through our servers from one to the other, but there's no long-term storage of your record data or your attachment data. So um, trying to do best practices on security there. And just kind of a quick shout, uh, showcase of what it looks like. You create a project and a project it can have multiple bases. We do have an app um, in the marketplace, but... If you, if you have lots of bases, it might be easier just to go to the website and just add them all um, at once. So you, you don't have to go and install the extension in every base that you want to back up. You can do it all in one place here and add them all at the same time now. And then it, and then it gives you a little bit of um, showcase of how many records are in each base, how many attachments are in each base. And you can actually drill down into those and see even at the table level, how many records in each table and attachments in each table. Um, and then if you go back, this is showing you every time it performs a backup, you'll see that it was completed, how many tables and the total number of records and attachments that, that, that have been backed up. So great information. We do, we do have um, some exciting features that will be coming out this year to enhance the backup experience, but um, definitely worth checking out to get your data backed up and in a secure place outside of Airtable. All right, with that, Jason, good to have you on the show. Second time, you were one of our- Yeah, one of the earlier guests. (laughs) You were an early guest on our old format where we spent an hour drilling you and and learning all about you. Yeah. but that was a long time ago. So we want an update. Give us give us the background, give us your story. I'd uh, love to learn more about you. And then also your story of how you came
2: into Airtable, how you found it and
0: what it's done for you.
2: Yeah. So, um, so I'm a full-time freelancer. I think of myself as a sales and influence amplifier. Um, so I take um, and, and really focused around content marketing um, so companies that have archives, uh, let's say they've got an archive of several hundred blog posts, um, and it's kind of sitting there collecting dust and they're wondering, Hey, should I have uh, spent all that time creating that content? I'm the guy that comes in and says, "Here, here's how, from an SEO standpoint, from an email nurturing standpoint, how do we take that? And so I've been freelancing since 2014. I owned a marketing agency for about seven years before that. And I made a transition, um, but when I had my, one of the kind of the connections to Airtable is when I had my agency, I I learned about a lot of and created some ideas and frameworks and systems, um, to really how to operate the business. And those are a lot of the things I took with me, um, into freelancing. I took those business lessons and I applied them. Um, and, uh, they were hard earned lessons because running a business is no easy matter. But, um, what I One of the things I was able to excel at freelancing was because I, I operated with a business mindset. And I think a lot of freelancers struggle with that. Um, they are more of the technical person. They're doing the the, the work, um, but they're not necessarily thinking of the work that they're doing as a business. And when you're an employee, you don't have to. But when you're a freelancer, you have to do that. So that was something that was uh, really impactful. Well, a lot of those systems and frameworks, we didn't necessarily have any tools that really allowed us to, to, to manage those things. So we used spreadsheets a lot of times. And um, so I ended up when I started freelancing, I built um, in a spreadsheet, I built like a freelancing dashboard and that allowed me to manage you know, my clients and how much work I had and how much I could expect and all of these different factors. So I knew I was on track from the sales and marketing side, but also from delivering for my clients. And, um, so I had this spreadsheet dashboard and then a friend of mine, um, he stumbled upon Airtable. I mean, this would have been almost 10 years ago, maybe, um, 2015 or 16, maybe. And, um, so I had this, this dashboard and he told me about Airtable and I was like, wow, this is perfect. Cause it, the, the limitations of a spreadsheet, um, Airtable kind of took that and and allowed me to go much further with it. And you had the database kind of approach and, um, so I, I moved my dashboard over and, and, uh, just made my life much easier to manage. And, um, and I was able to sort of discard the, uh, the, um, the spreadsheet. Now, funny, uh, funny recent story is in that transition process, I brought most things over, but as my freelancing has evolved, um, uh, there's some systems that I used to have on the spreadsheet that I forgotten that I didn't move over. Um and I've recently implemented a new uh a new system to kind of measure, measure that in Airtable. So I went back to the spreadsheet a couple months ago to discover that thing. I was like, I I used to have I used to be really good about um this particular thing, and I can even dive into that um in the te- in the template that I use if if you want to do that. Um so I recreated it and I actually made a much, much better version of it. So um, so that's that's it in a nutshell. I, I wrote two books: one on freelancing that I published in 2017, and another for small business owners in 2019. Uh, you can see the on on, on this side the or the orange the orange book here, yeah. And then this is Path of the Freelancer over here. So, <laughs> um, yeah. What else do you want to know about my story? Looks like you're a Star Wars fan as well. I am. Yes, <laughs> uh, big Star Wars fan, and um, grew up Nina. with it. Camped I out. I don't know why. The, the, the prequels I so more like the, yeah <laughs> the i was looking Falcon, at the, the star destroyer
1: I, yeah i was looking at the pattern and i was like oh what an interesting pattern and then like <laughs> yeah. as soon as i noticed baby yoda in the corner i was like oh okay <laughs> yeah AT's, Baby AT's yoda again.
2: or grogu as he's formerly known
0: <laughs> well i know yeah. at first i thought maybe those were your own sketches i was like wow
2: now the uh, over here are my own sketches. So my degree, I went to the Art Institute of Atlanta and I got a degree in in uh, animation, three D animation, and that's that's another part of my story is um, is the three D animation and the artistic side. Uh, um, done stuff for Discovery Channel and PBS and through my uncle's animation studio before I had the the marketing company. So um, so these were some of the, the drawings I, I found in my my uh, portfolio that I thought, oh, I'll put those up there. Something nice. interesting.
0: <laughs> so, so my question for you is how has, um, how, how have you seen Airtable used in kind of the freelancer community, the people you interact with? Is it something that is heavily adopted or what's the.
2: So, um, I think it could be, so it's, it, I would say, yes. In some ways, but not to the degree that I think it should be or could be. So, I'm definitely like an ambassador for Airtable. Like, if, if you're not using it or you haven't heard of it, and whenever I work with a new client, um, I have a, a template for project management. And so, most clients I work with, I say, Do you have a project management system? They probably say, No. Um, and if they don't, then I said, we're going to, we're going to set up an Airtable base and we're going to manage it through Airtable. So for me as a freelancer, I use it. Um, other freelancers, um, once they start to realize the power, um, then they start to, to get more and more on board. Um, but there is a, there's, I think one of the, maybe one of the challenges with Airtable is it is kind of a build your own adventure. Um, and so having templates and, 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 And for the ones that they provide you and then the Airtable universe. And I've got three templates in there that people can check out. Um, That definitely helps with that kind of that starting point of like going from a blank canvas to something to work with. Um, So I think that can be a barrier. A lot of people like tools that maybe do similar things like a monday.com or something that already has the structure implemented. Mm -hmm. Um, But for those that kind of can get the value of it and realize, I think for me, one of the big points of value for Airtable is I can kind of build my own app without having to be a coder. And so I can do so many things um, from an operational standpoint, um, both for me and my my customers, that I wouldn't be able to do without Airtable, or I would have to find some tool that might be able to do it. And I'm the type of person who can um, be the configurator to kind of work it out and build the frameworks. And so, giving me that flexibility is a huge point of value for me. So, cool. yeah. What would and be I um, imagine to
1: be able yeah, to change things uh, pretty quickly yes. because, mm-hmm. to your, your point, you started off with a subset of um, workflows that you had in, in Sheets and you moved them into Airtable. And then down the line, you moved in something else. And had you built a very complete system in something that's more. Uh, Code reliant or um, a pre-made sort of system, custom built for whatever um, your market share is. Adding that other piece down the line would have been difficult in uh, a couple of different ways. Whereas in Airtable, it's a, it's a different experience. It's not easy, but it's a different experience.
2: Yeah, and and I was also sad too, like because I used to use Trello, but as soon as when when Airtable just pulled in the Kanban boards. It was like game over for Trello and I love Trello, but it was like, there's just not a reason to use it right. anymore. Cause the beauty of Airtable is you can look at the data in so many different ways and it's right. really grown so much. And it actually, it's grows so much faster in functionality than I can really keep up. Um, because I'm not like strictly an air table consultant. Um, I can't like always know what's going on and I'm using it more as a tool for, for other you're things. Not, so, you're not
0: watching our podcast every week? <laughs> not enough. <laughs>
2: um in fact i you know I've, I've had to get to the point where I refer other air specialists for these advanced projects and it just is not not the the wheelhouse that i'm I'm playing in but i but I love it and we'll continue to use it and and advocate for it so,
0: so what sure. um so favorite feature
2: and must have that that you want them to add <clears throat> Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I guess the just thinking about what I just said in terms of like there's so many things that are unraveling uh, in terms of rolling out new functions. It would be cool if there was a way for um like so we have air we have Airtable universe and you got those and you have templates when you start. Um I don't know if if there were like micro templates that I could install on an existing base like I just want to kind of build out this particular function. And I, I don't know if that kind of thing exists, but that would be one thing that comes to mind is how make it easy for me to adapt some of these systems. Maybe it's the automation tool or uh, I've been playing with the interfaces. Um, and I think the interface is actually a big game changer from when I first started using Airtable for visualizing data. That was always one of my, I guess, the obstacles I had with the dashboards I was making is I didn't have a way to visualize it now with the interfaces that have been out. I don't know what, two years. Um, yeah, that's given me a chance to, to, to leverage that with both myself or some of my clients and not have to use a separate, a separate system. So nice. Yeah. Does that answer the question? Yep. So hit them
1: <laughs> yeah That's a great call out too. And that Airtable has a lot of different resources for um, I'm starting from scratch. Give me something that is sort of pre-built that's close to what I want. But if you've already mm-hmm. started and you just want one automation added to your system, you got to build it yourself and have two yeah. screens open and sort of look yep. at someone else's screenshot. And then there's mm-hmm. no easy way to sort of pull yeah. in pieces. Yeah, so copying of, and pasting uh,
2: like pieces of it would be nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Like, like, to like. your point, have, it, yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say to your point for interfaces—they're great, they're wonderful. Yeah. If you start an interface in one base and want to do something very similar in a different base,
2: good luck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. And that I, I've seen some shifts in the interfaces, just in terms of making it easier to create them. Um, yep. But uh, that's you know probably got more that they're they're doing. But like here would be just a practical example. I have um, like in one of my bases for my clients, I have a calendar function for their email marketing. And, um, so I built that out, but it'd be nice if I could just copy that one piece into another one that I already have, instead of doing all the stuff you're talking about. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah,
0: for sure. Cool. Awesome. Thank you uh, for sharing that. If you want to start sharing your screen, we'll, we'll move on to the next, uh, Segment here. Let's go back to the right, screen. So share screen, and then and so yeah, we're gonna check out some some bases that that you use in your in your world and how right. they work. All right, let me know there if you, you can. Go. Okay, there we go. Cool. Sure. All
2: right, so I want to just start with this because I do have uh, three templates in the Airtable universe. Um, this first one is a fr- the freelancing dashboard that I made, and um, so you can go in there and if you're a freelancer, um, play with that. And I have, uh, I actually, on this one, I have pretty good um, kind of instructions on how it works and documentation on it to, to help people. Um, the second one is this system. It's called IDEMA. And um, let me IDEMA is this five-phase uh, um, process. So it's everything starts with an idea. So we ideate, capture the idea, discover the idea. We execute the idea, we maintain the idea, and then we audit the idea. So it's these five stages. And this was actually born out of um, a desperate, um, (laughs) when I had my marketing company, we were, it was very chaotic. It was kind of like the wild west with project management. And we'd bring in a project manager that was um, like really good and organized, but the chaos was just so much that they would leave. They're like, I can't handle the chaos anymore. So we kind of got to the point where like, okay, all these people are leaving. Maybe there's something wrong with us. We should figure it out. And being entrepreneurial and creative, that's just kind of how I was. But I wanted, to, I wanted to figure out what was kind of the life cycle of every project. And so this is where the IDEMA um, came from. And so I have this kind of framework in my mind whenever I'm doing project management or I'm working with clients. Is, okay, how do we you know, capture the idea? How do we plan those ideas, execute them? And then how do we have visibility in a dashboard to be able to see those? So that's the second one. Um, and then the third one is, uh, is actually, um, it's how to find a job in the modern era. And it's really a a, a template for people to, um, to, to kind of manage uh, outreach. So when I think about um, when I was, when I shifted to freelancing, I kind of realized, you know, some of the things I was doing was similar to like a job search. Um, and so I kind of built a, a template to help people that were in that that process, but I ended up going down the freelancing road. So, um, so that was one of the remnants of that. So, um, I will start with my freelancing dashboard, just show a couple things. Um, this, I've got a list of my clients here. And one of the things that I do is I have these different categories as a freelancer, there's a lot going on just as an entrepreneur, creative, and we have to build our own structure. And so having these, um, I have a list of all my clients here. And this is my people tab and I have different tabs for different, different things, but I want to just show two of the tabs today. Um, But I order this, these clients. So I have clients, I have eight clients in this normal client, and then I have this day complete um, grouping and I group them this way and I do it in order. Um, So I essentially work through my clients based on this order. So in terms of priority. And I, my, I do an hourly, I do batches of 10 hours with my clients. And so I, I identify how many hours you know I've been approved and invoiced and then how many potential new hours that, that are on the horizon this month. And then it calculates that and tells me how many hours I need to work per day per client in order to finish those hours. And, um, and then I have an adjustment column that I can use. And then I have different columns for the status so I can change the group. Um, the invoice status, if they paid, if they, if I invoice them yet or not, do I invoice them before or after what kind of thing, project. Then I, I have them all on a, another air table. So they have, I have a link to their Airtable project management. <laughs> um, and so now I can just easily access their air table um, with one click and go into their spot. So, um, so I have all my clients here and then I organize them in this priority. And so that way, um, you know, if I have one that I have a client that's like an important, I put up in important column and it'll move it up. Um, or I have a client that's urgent, needs something right now, and then it'll it'll go up. So I have a hierarchy that allows me to figure out what to focus on, and then I have the the columns to figure out how much to to do that. And so my focus metric is really time, like number of billable hours per day, per week, per month, per year. And so if I follow this column, you know, I'm going to hit my goals, assuming I've got enough client work to do that. So um, the new one that I added is this thing called daily tracking here. And um, this is where I have, um, let's see, hide some of these real quick. Um, So these columns, so I have, really it's uh, each day I put in, you know, these different check marks here. And then how many, um, hours, my goal is to log four hours and 20 minutes of available time each day. And so I'm actually tracking that throughout each month and I can see the pattern. So have I got four, four of the hours, um, and then have I gone over it and have I gone extra hours and I, you know, do I, sometimes I might work in this case on the 11th, I did over five hours, 48 minutes. So I'm tracking this and the reason I'm tracking it is I'm tracking it against my goals. So this month I've logged 40 hours, billable hours, and my goal is 43. So I'm a little, I'm at 93%. So I'm a little bit behind. Um, so then I, I can adjust, you know, today or tomorrow or this week, you know, work a little bit extra to kind of make up the difference. But ideally I would be pretty consistent, but um, that doesn't always happen right. with being married, having five kids and all the. All the life things, (laughs) getting injured, all the kinds of things. So this is a cool system I just, I built. This is the thing that I realized I kind of lost in my spreadsheet was I didn't have a way to really motivate me on a daily basis in terms of really tracking how I was doing, going throughout the day. You know, if I'm halfway through the day, I need to make sure that I'm kind of pacing myself so that I can adjust for the second half of the day if I'm missing my, my mark. Nice. So um, any questions on that before I move the, the jump to the next one?
0: I don't think so, no.
2: Yeah, so I'll jump. This is a client of mine. Um, the uh, This is the, uh, going back to this template, this is the IDEMA template. I've made some adjustments to it. Um, but I essentially, I take that IDEMA framework and then I create these micro stages within that. Um, so all of these uh, groupings here are within one of those areas. So you have the maintain up here and then the done. Um, and so... You know, these are maintain items. These are things I need to do on a regular basis. Um, it might be in this case, I I don't have a a pacing, but in some cases, I might put, you know, this is a weekly thing or a monthly thing, um, or trigger based. Um, I have a done this done thing, and then I also have an archive column. And the reason I do that is so I put everything in the done when I'm done, but then I can do I can report with my clients um, on you know what's been done, and then I'll archive it. So it kind of gives me a, a, a process for reporting. Um, but I can go, here's the things I'm stuck on. Here's the things that are active. And again, I, I order these hierarchically from top to bottom based on what to focus on. So I, you know, I need to knock out the stuck thing before I work on the active things. So in this case, I need to figure out how to get access to the, the Facebook page for this client, but I'm stuck because they haven't provided that. And, and they don't necessarily know it's kind of a lost page. So we're trying to recover it. Um, with Active, these are things I'm currently working on, projects that I'm currently working on. And then in this case, I'm using um, Airtables recently. Uh, you know, It's formatting to do a checklist inside of it. So I do like that. What I'm going to work on next, what are the top ideas that then follow that? Um, I also have a templates here because these are tasks that I do every month for this client. So what I'll do is I'll just copy, I'll make duplicate the record and then it has my checklist inside of it of what to do. Um, And then I'll move it up to uh, one of these other stages. And then um, this is another big thing that I do on all my air tables is I have an idea repository. So whenever I'm working with clients, they see opportunities for improvement, things we could do, or they have suggestions. And so we're just capturing all the ideas here. So we have a place and they don't get forgotten. That's a big thing. Couple other things I added on this space is I have an email tracking system, so we use Mailchimp and I uh, help them run their campaigns, and so I, I put them all in here. One of the things I like about Airtable is the ability to both track data and then be able to to look at it in different ways that might that might not be possible in the tool of which we're using. So in the case of Mailchimp, so what I'll do is I'll um, I can see then I can put in the the time I sent, the day, the time, AM PM, number of cents opens, clicks. What type of email it is. So this is the chronological view, and then I have a calendar view where I can actually, you know, move things around this way and see where they are. Um, and this is something I can share with the client so they know what's going out when it's going out. And then I have this what I this I call it a stat slicing, and this is where I can, I can, I can sort um, or group by different factors in order to kind of get an idea of like what time is the best or what day. So, you know. In this case, I can, you know, pull up the day and go, okay, for the normal emails, um, it looks like these are not loading. Oh, I'm missing the data on that one. Um, So it'll show me, you know, what's the open rate and the um, the click rate. So I can go which day is the best, and I can actually identify that real quickly. Um, or I can do a, I can also group by AM or PM and go, which, you know, is it better to send in the, in the morning or the afternoon? And I can get Do you
0: give, do you give access to your clients like read
2: only access? Are they in here? How much time do they spend in here? So with, uh, with this, I I'm open to giving as much or as little access as a client wants. Most clients, um, are going to be just read or commenting? Um, not even commenting. I would say read is probably the most common. Some will do commenting. Um, I've had some clients and some projects where they're actually will project manage together through the, you know, they'll we'll have a column here um, which I've got hidden. I call it uh, passengers. You know, I'm working on this. So and so is working on that, and we can actually have different views for the different people. Um, but what I've discovered is that most people don't necessarily do that. But I've had teams. Uh, often, I'm managing a team of fr- freelancers, and so sometimes there's like three or four of us working on the same client, and so we'll use Airtable together, and I'll I'll project manage, and, and they'll participate. Um, but for the most part, clients are pretty pretty hands off. Hands so. Gotcha. So, but there is a I think a big part of it is a reassurance factor. Um, the fact that it's there and that they have access to it 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 kind of just helps build trust right um, and so that seems to be more valuable than actually them like reviewing things in it <laughs> yeah. so it tends to be more for me and then in some cases I have clients that they they're so kind of like maybe just dis, uh, just disordered or in chaos um, that I, instead of even sending, sending them to Airtable, I'll like send them an email with like kind of a summary of things, and then a link to Airtable if they want more details. So, trying to translate it for them makes sense. So, um, this one is another thing I've been kind of experimenting with. This is another client. Um, some of the SEO stuff that I've been doing, um, I'm org- I've got in this case, um, I've got all their pages listed in here, the URLs, and then I've got different columns for different things. But the big thing that I'm doing. Um, is SEO change tracking. So we might make a change to a page. Um, so this might be, you know, a title change or a content change. And so I've got a column for that. And um, and then I date, uh, I have the upgraded and updated. And then I started uh, doing a change date column as well. So we have more precision. Um, but from an SEO standpoint, we can change the title on a page. So we might change this page and I can look, I did that on March 31st. So this was almost three weeks ago. So now I can look on Google and see in the search console that they have or in our keyword tracking, and I can see after I made that change, what happened? Mm -hmm. And so this log lets me do that. And then it, it links back this column links back to the pages. So I can also look at a page and go, okay, this page has had three changes. These are the three changes here. And there's two title changes one and one URL change. And um and so then that that's another thing that I'm I'm doing just to see how the changes are are affecting things and then be able to either reverse course or um see that it's a positive change. So does that make sense?
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think I I heard that um on the startups for the rest of us podcast. I think, I think they okay. were talking about that, this strategy yeah. of keeping track of marketing log. Of changes. Yeah.
2: And so, so it makes it real easy. And then it's also value because of the, the ups and downs of whether the change makes a difference on Google. So um, I got one other base I could show you real quick. Um, how, yeah, are we we got a minute.
0: Yeah. Maybe a minute. Okay.
2: All right. So this is just a personal base. So I mean, two of my kids are going to, um, Honduras this summer to serve the, uh, community in, nice. in, um, uh, in Agalta Valley. So we're actually doing a fundraiser to help raise for the service trip and we're doing it through our church. And, um, anyways, it's, um, it's a lot of work to, to do to a lot of people that we're reaching out to. We're sending letters, we're emailing them. Um, we're hand mailing some or s- snail mail. Um, and then we also have like who's donated, you know, so I have these different groupings um, just to help me track like, okay, who have I sent, you know, because there's like almost 300 people that I reached out to who have I sent it? How have I sent it? How have they responded? Um, who's donated? Who's committed to donating? Am I on You know? And so I use their table both personally and professionally. And, and I just wanted to give a quick example Um, you know, I have a goals and plan and then I have the people tab is really the main one I use, um, for tracking, you know, who's giving and, and what they're giving. And, um, and I, I went to Mexico last year and, um, I kind of built this system and and used it again for this year. Um, but me and my oldest daughter, just went last time. Um, but we were able to raise, um, within two weeks, we raised, all the money we needed and we ended up raising a lot more which helped some of the other team's members that nice. were able to um so the system worked pretty good and i would like to add uh this and add it into the air table universe in case anyone is yeah. there but it's just a simple way to track um to track what i'm doing and what I uh, on a personal level so wanted to just That's what... mention that.
0: I hope that Airtable doesn't lose sight of that overlap between Mm -hmm. using it for your personal life and business, you know, as they focus more on the enterprise. I hope they don't lose.
2: That's a good point. I, I do hope that as well because um, as a, just a freelancer and a small, a small guy, who's not a big deal. um, Obviously it's um, from a financial standpoint, that's kind of one of the things that's happened with HubSpot, unfortunately. I, I work with a lot of clients that use it and help them with their HubSpot systems, but mm-hmm. they kind of made that shift towards enterprise and kind of left uh, the rest of us oh, to yes. hang. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. yeah, for sure. I'm sure I, I I would imagine most people that use Airtable in their in their business world also find a use case for it in personal. Yeah, instance. yeah. Awesome. I and
1: mean, a lot of people start with a personal use case and move it to their business. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
2: Good point. Right, right. Yeah. And I have a personal, I use it personally for other things like tracking our savings and giving and budget stuff. And yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> nice. Awesome. So people can find
0: you on your website,
2: jasonscottmontoya.com. Yeah. So jasonscottmontoya.com. I if you type that. in, and if you're in the Airtable universe and you want to search for the templates, just type in my last name, Montoya. Um, on my website, I've got tons of blogs on personal development, entrepreneurship, leading others. I've got a podcast. Um, called the share life it's called share life um, systems and stories to live better and work smarter and um and then i've got yeah everything's on jason dot if you need or want to explore any of that thank
0: you thanks for coming on showing yeah. it. i think thanks it's safe to me, say yeah. that uh your business is very dependent on Airtable.
2: <laughs> yes yes i couldn't i couldn't do what i do without it and um and hopefully uh i've made some many air tablers over the years uh to help them grow as well Yep.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Jason.
2: Okay. A quick shout out to uh, join our
0: community and in particular subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to get that up to a thousand. We're in the pushing 800 range. So we're hoping to get to a thousand here this year. So tell your friends, join us in the community, builtonair.com slash join. That gets you into the Slack community where there's thousands of other Airtable fans uh, conversing and whatnot. So we'd love to have you join us there. Let's move on to scripting time with Camille. Gonna show us some cool scripting. Go for it. Uh, So this is something that comes
1: up, I think a lot um, when you have a one or more columns that contain data and Um, It's easy to know when a value has changed because Airtable has a uh, last modified by and last modified time uh, field types that tell you when something changed, but it doesn't tell you what something changed from uh, to what. So if you look at um, the uh, activity log for any particular record, you can see this information here, but that's not really... Um, shareable to people outside of your base, or if you want a weekly sort of email that lists out in plain English what things used to be and what they are now, it's sort of difficult to achieve. So I wrote a script that is um, pretty extensible that gives you an overview of how data changes from blank to blank. So I'm going to make a test and sure hope that the script hasn't broken since the last time I checked it. So I've just changed that date from the 27th to the 28th. Um, after a couple seconds delay, I see Airtable is still saving. Um, yeah, so an automation will run and it will output that today's date is the 18th. So on the 18th, um, the field due date C. Went from the 27th to the 28th, which is a positive difference of one day. Um, I'm going to stop here and preface that while I'm comfortable giving this base and script out to people, um, I'm not going to answer questions about it because um, the, the reason I built this was um, for you know my current position. There are two different teams that wanted effectively this, but they wanted this output in two different. Sort of formats. One of them wanted the number of days difference in parentheses, and the other one wanted it grouped by field and not by the date on which the values changed. That affects how the script is ultimately written. And everyone is going to want this sort of thing formatted slightly differently. So I'm going to give you what you see as is, and then, you know,
0: it's up to that's you. It modifier. It's yeah.
1: up to you. You've got to, there's things in here, like you'll see the, the text is bold here and italicized here. I'm not going to customize that for you. You're on your own. Um, but what you don't see is this um, field that outputs a bunch of um, JSON again, we're, we're back at JSON, <laughs> um, where um, effectively I have an object where the key of that object is the day that the values were logged and then um its value is another object for each of my fields that i'm tracking and then what the value is on that day in this case the 15th and then the second batch of dates is today the 18th when i change the value from the 27th to the 28th now i'm logging the value for all of the fields that i'm tracking not just the one that was changed and the reason is if i want to go back and change the value of another field let's make due date b um, the fifth what i want it to do i don't want um changes made on the same day to be logged as like completely separate changes i want them to be grouped by the day um, and that's what happened here You'll notice that date B came above due date C, and that has to do with how things are ordered in the script itself. So with that um, sort of all in here, I will note that the reason this isn't counting the way I want it to is because this is a different list type. This is sort of a defect in um, Airtable's markdown. Think if I do that, yeah, that's the that's the problem. It's not really a script thing. It's the the chosen method of formatting, which again is why I'm not going to answer any questions about um, how this thing is is ultimately written. But if I look at it, um, I'm going to start by uh, going with a very simple: when a record is updated, I'm watching three fields. Um, then a script is run. I'm going to explain in plain English what the script is doing, I'm going to have to zoom out just a little bit in order to do that. I'm pulling in the record ID of the record that was just updated. Um, I am pulling in the table. In this case, I only have one table. It's called projects. The JSON field, that is the long text field that you can almost certainly hide 100% of the time that just lists all of the values on every date that a value possibly was changed. The summary field, that's the one that's formatted uh, for people to actually read, and then the watched field IDs. Uh, In a perfect world, I would be able to say any field that is currently visible in this particular view, I can't do that in an automation script. But instead, what I'm doing is getting an array of different field names. Now, in practice, in the solutions that I've actually built, these are all IDs, the ID of the table, the ID of these different fields, uh, just because that's more sustainable. If someone changes the name of any of these due dates uh, fields, then the script will break. So if you're going to adapt this process, all you would do is instead of putting in the name of the field, you put in the ID of the field, just as a warning. Uh, Then I'm getting the actual table itself, and I'm pulling in all the details about the record, not just the record ID. Um, When I'm passing that, I only need to get the JSON field, the fields that I'm watching for changes, that's that array here, and then the summary field itself. So I'm not pulling in every single column that has to do with this um, record. Then I'm just getting for what is today's date, Um, and I'm converting that date time into a string. Uh, Something I learned in uh, version two of the thing that I built in practice, I want to make sure that a change is logged according to my time zone, which is America Los Angeles. Because if you make a change at like 5 p.m. my time, it gets logged as a change made tomorrow when that's a little bit confusing when you're actually trying to get a running history of changes um next thing uh i am getting the value of all of the history for that um for that record that's in that json field i'm parsing it out it right now it's just plain text but i want it in true json to give it a uh, a workable object in javascript from there each key of um Each key of that outer object is going to be the date that a change was logged. And then I'm building a new set of objects for what are the current values. So some value just changed because it triggered uh, the automation. What are all of the values now? And I'm overwriting any log for today that's already in there. That's why I made a change to... Uh, due date C, it logged the change. I then made a due date change for uh, date B. It logged the change again, but it didn't show up as two different uh, groups. It all came in under today, um, April 18th. Um, I'm combining that together. What is my current history plus all of the values from today, making that one new object. And then this is the part where things get very specific to how you want things arranged. But generally speaking, I'm taking each day of history that I have, and then for each field on those days, I'm checking, does this value equal the same thing as the value from the next time the um, history is logged? If it's exactly the same, then I don't need a summary, nothing changed. If something is different, then do both of those values exist? If so, what is the difference in time? And then format it however this particular implementation wants it formatted. That's a nested bullet. That's why there's all these spaces. And then an asterisk. The name of the field went from blank to blank. Um, Then I want to check if I have added, um, I'm going to back up and just give this as an example. Right now I'm checking three fields. If I want to suddenly track due date D, I can do that, but there's no history for due date B in any of this. So the next time I add a value to due date D, I don't want it to say it went from uh, blank to whatever it is now, because it might not have actually been blank. I don't want to log that as a change. And that's what that last if statement is doing. It's saying, do you have history to compare for this field If so, compare it. If you don't have history, then don't compare it. If I have history and it really was blank the last time I checked, then say it went from blank to this. Um, That is the explanation of this uh, implementation. Again, I I don't want to answer questions. (laughs) I I will have pressed, I don't want to answer questions.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, this is such a useful use case um, comes in handy quite a bit. So yeah, lots of things you could do. You could also log, you know, like you were saying, if there is no history, then maybe you want to log that that was the first entry or, you know, it was created or whatever first set. Yes. So lots you could do.
1: That's something you could do. And you could do that pretty easily. But again, you get in and change the the if statements and all that. And there's nothing that says that you have to log date fields. You could do this with any field type. It's just that they particularly wanted to know the difference in days. And that only really applies for date yeah. fields. If you wanted to track text fields changing from when to when or who was assigned to a task but with a collaborator field, you could do this with this script as well, modifying yeah. the formatted tests a little bit.
0: Yeah. And there is a limit hundred 100,000 characters to a long text field. Um, so yeah. if you have a ton of history, yeah. then you might need to add some, uh, some archiving or some removing older yeah. entries.
1: I would not advise tracking more than, real, realistically more than five different fields in one implementation. You could chain these together and have multiple uh, JSON and summary fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't recommend doing this for fields that are literally constantly changing. It's more for like, you know, the due date of an overall project. That's mm-hmm. probably going to change, hopefully. I don't know your process. Hopefully only a couple of times. Yep. If it's constantly changing, then you're going to run into a, a barrier. And then you might want to log every change to its own record.
0: Yep. Awesome. Thank you, Camille, for sharing that. Um, we'll put the link out and we'll put a disclaimer. Do not contact Camille. <laughs> no. Don't, don't do it. it. <laughs> buyer awesome. beware. Yep, buyer beware. You gotta, yeah, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna start going into that world, you gotta be okay tinkering with the scripting or like Jason said, throw it into ChatGPT GPT and say, how do I change this to do what I want? well jason thank you again for coming on the show always appreciate it and good luck with your uh, trip to honduras and yeah that's awesome and thank you very uh, much, yep and camille good to see you again we will be back next mm-hmm. week with the new episode take care everyone for joining today's episode we hope you enjoyed it be sure to check out our sponsor ontair.com and we will see you next time on the built on air podcast